This is the show formerly known as Quit. It's a show about grit, change, the challenges of improving your career, making tough decisions, and starting something awesome. My name is Dan Benjamin. Today is Thursday. It is June 19, 2014. Uh, got a special guest here today, Sean Blanc. I'll tell you more about him as the show goes on. Sitting here in the studio with me is Hattie Cook, and we want to say thank you very much to our sponsors, HostGator.com, Squarespace.com. We'll tell you more about them as the show continues. Of course, we also want to thank Cashfly, our CDN. If your download was fast, they're the reason why. Check them out at Cashfly, C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com. Hey, Sean Blanc, welcome to Quit, or the show formerly known as Quit. <laughs> Thanks. Are we live? I mean, Yeah, we're live now. On? That's it. I have no idea. Yeah, I've live. just been sitting here. I know really? we kept we kept we kept poor Sean waiting because like half an hour. Yeah, well, twenty three minutes, and that's well, you know I was ready ahead of time because uh, I, I he's assumed, that, you know he's a pro. He is a pro. So I should have known. Yeah, yeah. I could have gone out for ice cream and then just kind of <laughs> meandered in. So Sean, for the I think there's probably a couple of people who don't know who you are, and I was wondering if you could. Tell the the audience and the listeners who you are, and, and we can pick it up from there. We'll go from there. Yeah, my name's Sean Blanc. I live in Kansas City, and I write for a living about nerdy stuff, geeky stuff, the geek stuff. Huh? So Sean is on Twitter. Sean Blanc, you you have a a theme, and you run with it. Sean Blanc everywhere. It's true. If you want, it's my uh, it's my personal brand. If you want to call in and talk about whatever, you want to talk to me, you want to talk to Sean, you want to talk to Hattie, you can do that by calling 512-518-5714. We already got one person on hold. And you know, sometimes I take the the audience and the show hostage and I say, I won't, I'll just sit here and I won't do a show until <laughs> I get eight calls. I'm not doing that this time because I got Sean. Well, you've already made one person wait half an hour. It seems rude to make. I know. More people wait exactly half an hour. Exactly. Well, uh, it, it, for people who want to know what happened, we've got this really nice Apollo, which is essentially an audio input device that allows us to have a ton of different uh, audio things hooked up. So we've got all our guests coming through on Mac Minis. We've got five mics, six mics here. It's a beautiful setup, and it usually works pretty consistently when I hook things up right. But we have everything rack mounted into this tower of power, this amazing thing that we really I've been obsessing and stressing about for a long time. And everything goes through the DBXs, and the output of the one thing wasn't mirroring the right thing, and I had it toggled wrong. But when you make the change, you've got to save it, and you've got to power it down and bring it back. And to figure it out, each time you make a change, you got to do that. So it's just powering things up and down, up and down. That's intense. So last night, Sean, I, w- I wanted to get ready. I wanted to get psyched up for the show. And, and, and there's only one movie out there that could really get me prepared for having you on this show. And that, that movie is Wall Street. And I have no idea why. <laughs> I've never seen it. You've never seen this movie, Wall no. Street. And that's okay. It's all right. And there's a lot of people, I think, who haven't seen that movie. Hattie, could it's you put old. could you put Wall Street into the show notes? The I will do IMDb. that right now. Yeah, it's old, right? It's like from well, the eighties. Yeah, I mean it's it's got it, Michael Douglas. Nineteen eighty seven. It's got everybody. A lot of people. I think I was, Sean I think Young I was in is in preschool. Daryl Hannah. I think I was in preschool. You were in preschool in nineteen eighty seven. At least you were born. A lot of people I, I, listening I who weren't born. That's true. 
I'm going to see if I can find a clip for this. There's a famous scene in this movie that anyone who's who's seen this movie, or even if you haven't seen the movie, uh, there is a there's a character in the movie whose name is Gordon Gecko, and he is a uh, he's kind of involved in his stocks. He he trades Teldar paper. He busts up airlines. He does all kinds of things. And he's very, very wealthy. And uh, Charlie Sheen is sort of a, a stockbroker type guy who's trying to get his business or has won his business. But doing business with Gordon Gecko involves doing things that are maybe not totally legal. I don't want to ruin the movie because it's a really, really good movie. But there's this famous speech. And the speech is, uh, is called Greed is Good. That's how most people know the speech. Right. I, I watched it. I watched the YouTube version of the, the speech. And I, I actually, I didn't, I didn't get it. I mean, I, mean I, I got it. Like what he was saying made sense, but it didn't feel like this epic. You know, I think watching it out of context, it didn't have the effect on me that yeah, it I don't, should have. I don't know if it would uh, have the effect today that it had back in 1987, which had this whole yuppie community, yuppie culture, um, the concept of like you c- now we think that, but we think of that as a, a bad thing, right? That's a hostile thing. When a company gets acquired by another company like Amazon or something like that, that seems bad. Like we re- we have this strong negative reaction to that, and to feel bad for the company that either went away or got broken up, right? <laughs> That's a normal reaction today in today's world when a company like that. You know what? He goes and he says, greed is good. That's the main line. And he justifies. And this is what I wanted to talk to you about. Because you've taken a different approach here. You've taken a different path, Sean. Mm -hmm. What do you mean? You mean I I don't go in and bust up airlines? You don't do that. (laughs) But uh, in a larger sense, you have taken a path that I'm not I, I have no idea what, you know, what kind of money you're making. But you've taken a completely different path. You've taken a path that puts doing the thing that you really like doing ahead of doing something that would just earn you a guaranteed living. Because right now, so so let's kind of chronicle the different things you do. Mm-hmm. Sure. You've got SeanBlanc.com, which is a blog, and mm-hmm. you write on that. And you, you made the switch to doing that full time a while ago. Yes. Right. And so, so that makes you some money because you sell some stuff there. You got ads and that kind of thing. And I've got a membership. So a bunch of people, you know, pay uh, four bucks a month and uh, I do a daily podcast and that they get to listen to that. They get to listen to the podcast. They get to read the site. Then you've got a couple other sites. Mm-hmm. You've got a site called uh, the Sweet setup. Yep. And that details the way that people are using their computers, the way that they're using their devices. And you've even invited me to be on that. I would love to be on that. Yeah. I sent you the interview like a couple got weeks it. ago. I know I got yeah. it. Yeah. 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 We do the interviews there, you know, kind of people share sort of what the apps that they use, uh, you know, we'll do Mac iPhone or iPad to kind of pick one and they, you know, share this, the stuff I use and this is how I use it. And then uh, we also do, we'll do like these reviews where we'll, we'll kind of go into a category like whether, uh, you know, or, or whatever, and kind of try out all the best apps and say, hey, we think this is the best one. So, so it's, it's kind a, of this combination. It's a combination. And, and and so this is a new site. These are new sites that you're doing. Mm-hmm. 
But I guarantee you that you could have taken what I think is a maybe a much easier road and gone and got, you know, you're a well-known guy, you're a well-known writer. You could have written for somebody else. You could have gone and taken a job, worked somewhere else. Mm-hmm. You picked, a, I think, a tougher road, but you picked a road that put the things that you like doing ahead of the things that maybe you don't like doing. How are you able to do that? What sacrifices has, has that caused or caused you to make? Um, I would say the biggest sacrifice is the burden of uh, being self-employed. Um, I think that it's, it, you know, it sounds exciting when you're on the other side. And then when you step in and you say, okay, I now work for myself, there is, you kind of are working 24 seven in terms of like, you're just, I mean, Dan, you know, you know how this is. I think anyone listening, like if, if you, if you work for yourself, you, you know, run a small business, whatever it is, like, it doesn't even have to be, you know, you're a, you work from home freelancer or you run your own deal. You could, uh, you know, my parents were entrepreneurs. They had owned a retail flower shop for like 30 years in our little hometown. And just the, the burden of, of owning your own business and running it is, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's stressful. It's, it causes a lot of mental energy. A lot goes into it. Um, and you're learning every day. You're learning something new that you didn't know. And, uh, yeah, I think we talked about this on the last time I was on the show. That was a kind of recurring topic for, for quick. So I think that's the biggest sacrifice has been the, uh, like that, that stress or that pressure that, that, um, you know, in some ways, you know, like an anxiety of, you know, this could all go away. There's nothing, it's not stable. It's, uh, you know, the, the feeling of like, maybe one day I'll get found out and everyone will think I'm actually a horrible writer or they'll hate right, my sites right. or, and this, you know, see, that always, that I remember knows? when, I remember when you said that last time, I remember when you said that last time, I was just sort of surprised because, I was like, well, you're a really good writer. Why would you think, why would you think that you weren't a good writer? Like, why would you think that uh, someone was going to find out that you're not a good writer? You're a great writer. Right. And I mean, it's like, if they're, they're going to find out, they would have found out by now. Right. <laughs> right. Like, but haven't you proved this, it to yourself by now? Yeah. And there, so I think that that is, and it's the sort of thing that in, in some ways, when you run your own, you run your own shop, like there's just this feeling of like, one of these bolts could kind of come unscrewed at any moment and mm. it would all just wash away and I'd be left with nothing. Mm-hmm. And whereas when you work for someone else, there's a, a, a bit of a feeling of, uh, you know, like, like there's just more security there because you're like the, you know, you haven't peeked behind the curtain to see what actually is happening behind the scenes. And so it doesn't feel as fragile to you. Whereas when you're running your own thing, it feels very fragile because you know, what every moving part is, you know, where every yeah. dollar has to go and what you need to come in and what's going out and all of that stuff. And so in some ways it feels like, like, holy cow, like this is how it works. It's like when you realize that when you're driving a car, wait, there's little explosions happening like one foot away from me right now. Like, and that's how the car is going. <laughs> like when, you know, when you learn how some of this stuff works, it actually can kind of freak you out in some ways. And so I think that that's kind of what I mean by the burden of, of being self-employed is, is you're familiar with what's going on behind the scenes and it can be, it's, you know, it, it takes a little bit of stress. It can be a little bit scary, whatever, but that's the only, that's the only sacrifice. Like I make, uh, you know, financially I'm doing better than, than ever in my whole life. Like, you know, we're doing very well. And there's the, the joy of getting to pick my schedule, pick the projects that I work with. I've got some great guys that work with me. And so I've got a really good, fun team of, of people we see eye to eye. We get along really well. And, 
you know, and I, I feel like, you know, I don't feel like I'm a bad writer. I was, you know, kind of using that as, as an example that it's, that it's something that I've fortunately been able to kind of get over over the last uh, few years. And I feel like I'm doing some of the best work I've ever done in my whole life. And it's, so it's exciting. So actually not a lot of, not a lot of real sacrifices. I didn't go into, you know, millions of dollars of debt. I didn't right. do, do any of that stuff. So how much of that though, do you think, you know, you've, you've been writing and kind of had a, for lack of a better term, a, a public persona or a public identity for a long time. I'm trying to remember when I first heard about you and, and started to read the things you were writing. It was a long time ago. It was long enough time ago that I can't really. I think it was 2007 in the days of the. Uh, like I did an interview with Daniel Jalkit. I did an interview with John Gruber. Mm-hmm. And then I got a, like somehow you and I came across Paz and I was going to do an interview with you, but it never happened. And I think that was kind of the first touch point we ever had. Now I remember it was 2007, 2008, because I remember being in St. Louis on my anniversary, getting an email from you. That's interesting. So, so you show up and uh, you've been doing this now, you know, seven years, eight years, something like that at least with, mm-hmm. with the kind of attention that you've been getting. So you've built this platform for yourself. So when you start something, though, when you, I remember the time when you said, oh, I'm, gonna, I'm going to essentially quit my job, and, uh, and we talked about this on the last show you were on. I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to write full-time on my own site. And I'm going to do it in such a way that I get donations. I'm going to be reader-supported, and my podcast is going to be listener-supported. Mm-hmm. And now jump forward... And you have people today, a lot of the time, who are saying, well, look, look, at what, look at what John Gruber did. Look at what Jason Kotke did. Look at what Sean Blanc did. Look at, you know, Jim Dalrymple starting the loop. It goes on and on. The list of people who said, I want to kind of do my thing. I want to do my own thing. Like, I just want to, I want to get out there and, and do it and make it work. And maybe I'll have three or four different streams of revenue and I'll, I'll find which one leads me down the path of the most success. And then that's, that's the one that I'll keep doing. I'll do that one. Maybe the writing will lead to, maybe a podcast will do whatever. Mm -hmm. But every time that I hear somebody like that, uh, say, say that. And, you know, very famously, I think recently, um, you know, you've got Marco talking about how he was able to start his podcast and build a nice audience and, and say, you know, it's possible for people to do this. And a lot of people rallied against uh, him for saying that because they're saying, well, no, yeah, like that's, that's fine for Merlin. Uh, That's fine for Marco in the sense of, well, he's got, you know, he's got a, a, a big following and a big brand, but if he came out with a podcast that sucked, people wouldn't listen to it just because he was, I mean, I guess there's some people who would listen to it just because he's, you know, Marco and has done the things he's done, but it, it wouldn't be a successful show. Right. You, it's successful because it doesn't suck. You wouldn't be successful regardless of the brand that you've built if the things that you were doing weren't, weren't good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I so that. how, I mean, it, what's your motivation? Is it, and I'll get to the, I'll get to the Gordon Gecko greed is good thing later, but what is, is your motivation to do something that generates money? Is it to do something that you love? Is it to do something that makes it so you don't have to go into an office and work for somebody else? All those things. I mean, what, when you wake up in the morning, what are you thinking about? Yeah, it's all of those things. Uh, the, 
probably the most defining motivation for uh, kind of the tipping point for me when I quit my job to, to start working at home full time was when my wife and I decided we wanted to start having kids. And uh, I didn't, you know, I wanted to, I, I wanted to be home. I wanted to have a super flexible schedule. I wanted to be around uh, my kids. And, you know, I was actually just thinking about this today. Like, um, you know, I have breakfast, lunch, and dinner with my family. So me and my wife are two boys. Like we eat three meals together almost seven days a week. And that's just like, I love that. Like that is such a blessing. And uh, so I get to spend a lot of time with my family. And that's really important to me, especially I got two boys and they're growing up. And uh, it's, you know, it's a, it's a tough age to grow up right now, I think, in, in our, our country and just yeah. kind of where things are at. And so, you know, being able to be there and, and even like just these super young years, like I'm not teaching them anything like, you know, like anything super defining, but there's the, the relationship stuff right now. I just feel like is so important so that in the years to come, like, I hope I can be friends with my sons, like, you know, as they get older and through their teenage years, when things get really crazy and rocky, like hopefully I'll be able to like be a friend with them and, and be a sounding board and continue to lead them as their dad. And I feel like that's so important right right now as they're young to like, you know, prove that I love them and I care about them. And and you prove that with a toddler by like showing up and spending hours a day with them. And so for me, that was like the one of the main, main driving things was like, how we can I, how can I physically be home and here as part of this support structure and family unit for my exactly. Kids. Yeah, exactly. And that's it. That was a huge one. And then also, obviously, like money was, you know, a big one. Like I want to I want to pay the bills. I want to, uh, you know, put my kids through college. I want to be able to go on vacations with my family and, and show my kids stuff and experience the world and things like that. Uh, so that's obviously a, a, a big one for us. And then the like the love of the work is is huge. And, and you ask, you know, kind of what it is that when I wake up in the morning, what is it that I think about every day? Uh, it is. It's the projects that I'm working on and it's the like the people that listen to my show and that read my site, uh, you know, over the years, many of them I've gotten to know by name, uh, you know, through email correspondence and, and through uh, tweeting and stuff like that. And many of them, I have no idea who they are, but I, I know they're there because I see the, you know, the visitor stats and the download numbers and stuff. So I know people are listening to it. I know people are reading. And so like that connection. And I mean, we hear this a lot, you know, connecting with my audience, connecting with my readership um, that that's kind of becoming a common term, but like when, when someone says it, I think most people, they really, they really mean it. Like there, there's this, there really is uh, like, there's a relationship there. And, and, and in a lot of ways, it's kind of a monologue. It's just me putting myself out there and talking, but there is in, in a way it's a dialogue. Uh, sometimes it doesn't necessarily come back directly to me where I'll say something and someone will read it and then they'll reply back, but maybe they re- read it. And then that hopefully, you know, maybe that sparked a conversation over the dinner table. Like if we were talking about, you know, I get it a podcast a couple of weeks ago about kids and screen time and, and just some of that dialogue. And so maybe that like helped spark somebody's conversation with their wife and, and, and they, their younger kids and, and they're talking about screen time and maybe they're, they're trying to work it out. And hopefully I was able to like encourage them a little bit. And so, so for me, like that's sort of the driving factor of why I've got these sites, why I'm doing the work I'm doing, like you know, with the sweet setup, we're trying to find these apps. Like there's, you, you know, like you get an app on your phone and what well, you use it all the time. Like my phone is always within arm's reach ever since 2007, right? Like my phone's just been right here and you, you invest so much time and energy and you put so much of your information and your data and you get used to using these apps. And so it's like, when we recommend an app for someone to use, it's like, we take that really, really seriously. Like someone's going to spend five bucks on this thing. They're going to learn how to use it. 
are going to put all their, their, their lists in there, their to-do items or whatever it may be. They're going to import all their podcasts and like we're, we're, they're trusting us with their time because we're going to help them make a decision. And so like we take that really seriously. And, and I love that. Like I love having that, uh, that, that relationship with people. Well, that's the thing. And you talk about trust. You just mentioned that. That is something that I think, you know, you, you, you have to build that and then you have to maintain that. And it's something that a lot of people think, you know, we talk about making good content, but there's also the, the building a community part and everything today is about building that community, building that look at, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll name two people that are sort of in the podcasting, uh, vlogging space, Chris Prillo and, uh, and, uh, Adam Curry, both of these people, they don't just have like fans. They don't have listeners or viewers. They have created, it's not quite a cult around them because it's not insane, but there are, People who just, they just absolutely love it. And you know what? They take pride in supporting the things that these people do. The people who subscribe to the stuff that you're producing, like when you post a new article, when you post a new episode of your podcast, they're, they are directly responsible for that. In even in a small way, they are responsible for it. Yeah. You know, every person who downloads an episode of the shows that we do here, they're supporting our ability to do this because that download shows our sponsors that they're getting in front of people and we can sell sponsorships and that pays for the, the office and the employees and the bandwidth and all the other stuff. Like they're just by listening to the show, just by downloading the show, they're helping by sending you a couple bucks. They're providing you with this, this direct stream. So now we have this whole culture where people are excited. Look at Kickstarter. They're excited to make, to bring things to life and to bring the things mm-hmm. to life that they, that they want. Everyone talks about time shifting. This is, you know, this is the, the, the next extension of that in that people can directly support the things that they like. They can directly influence the things that they want to exist by putting a little, usually a tiny little bit of money toward that. They can give you, a, you know, the, Jim Dalrymple with the loop, his loop membership, what is it, three bucks a month? Yeah. I mean, I read that site every single day. I'm happy to give him three bucks a month. And there isn't, it's just that barrier between the people who are creating content and the people who want to enjoy that content. That That's a direct relationship now. No, I think it's huge. I um, I can't I I can't remember the the person's name, but someone wrote an article, um, and there's this this quote that I kind of picked up from Patrick Rohn, and he says to uh, when you're you know someone goes, hey, I want to write a site, you know, give me some advice. What what should I write my site about? What what should be the governing principles? And so Patrick he says, well, write the internet that you want to read. Basically, you know, what what kind of site do you want to exist? Well, then you write that site and make it exist for yourself. And if you have that desire for that site to exist, guaranteed there's other people that do as well. And it'll you'll be passionate about it. You'll enjoy it, whatever. Well, so someone took that and kind of twisted it and they said, you know, not just write the Internet that you want to read, but also why don't you 
you know, buy the internet that you want to read or pay for the internet that you want to read. And, you know, Dan, like you're saying, like you come across these sites and you go, oh man, I really love what John, you know, J- Jim Dalrymple's doing. I love what these guys are doing. You know, I'm going to support them so that they can continue doing it. Like I'm, I really enjoy it. I, I get a lot of, uh, you know, I, I love the news. I love the personality. I love whatever it may be that's coming out here. So I'm going to support that. And it's, uh, you know, Kevin Kelly's true, you know, 1000 true fans, right? Like that, that, that famous article he wrote. And a lot of times you think of it from the the perspective of the artist and you think, oh man, you know, I need to get 1000 true fans. And then I can, I can, uh, this can be my audience. This is my community and I can, I can create art for them and they'll support me. But a lot of times we don't think of it from the perspective of uh, the fan, you know, like, you know, maybe I've got 1000 true fans, but I, hopefully I am also one of someone's thousand true fans as well. And so right. I find, you know, a couple of the people that I really enjoy the work that they do. And I just, I support them every time they've got something come out, they put a, a t-shirt out there. They, you know, they've got something for sale or they have a membership or whatever. Like I go there and I buy it and I give them money and, and I can only afford to do that with three or four or five people. Yeah. Uh, you know, before my, my budget envelope for that runs out. But, uh, but that's four or five people. And I know that I'm just, you know, one of hopefully a thousand. Then I spread the word and I help so that other people can join in. And in case, you know, maybe they've only got 800 true fans right now, they need 200 more to really go for it. And maybe I can, you know, talk about it on Twitter and, and get some of my friends to sign up and, 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 you know, that, that kind of a thing. So, you know, you talk, we talk about this, you talk about the support and it's the same, I think the same dilemma in that people want to support the things that they like and they only do, they have, you know, people have a limited amount of money of uh, the stuff that they, uh, that, that they can support. I mean, it might be, uh, it might be a, a budget thing. It might be just, they don't have time to support stuff that they just can't consume. I mean, all of these things are built in. Now, the flip side of this, going back to, you know, to, to you, to Marco, to Jim, people who do have a brand, who have a recognition, who have done something it's much easier i think for people to be willing to support something i'll i'll, I'll you know what i'll pick on uh, jeff canada because he does dlc here he's huge in the gaming industry people he's got tons and tons of really crazy great fans and he went and did a kickstarter for a, a video show that he wanted to do and he you know he raised i don't know it was a hundred thousand it was some crazy amount of money for this that's 100 percent because he's done really great work for many, many years and he's always been connected to the fans and to the listeners and to the people that are there. And not just because he's done the cool things, but because he's responsive in that way. It's almost impossible now, like you're talking in the beginning about the comments and the discussions that it leads to. Isn't there like a burden on you, though, to interact with those people who are supporting you? Isn't there a burden that now you owe them something, right? I mean, you or or... Do you, do you not owe them something? In other words, if they donate, don't you feel like you owe them that article? You owe them that podcast. Now you've got that obligation to do it. Is that part of your motivation as well? Yeah, of course. I mean, if, if, uh, you know, I say, Hey, if you support me for, you know, four bucks a month, I'm going to do this podcast. Like if I didn't do the podcast, obviously then I'd, I'd be out of business. Um, so it's, it's, you know, basically it's in a way, yeah, it's, I'm, I, I feel the, I don't know if I feel the burden to, to respond to, to what they're doing, but it's more of, I just, I'm, I'm going to be true to my word. Like I've said, this is what I'll do. And, you know, they've reciprocated, said, great, I'm going to sign up. Okay. Well now I'm going to do the show. So speaking of doing shows and, and, and paying bills, 
Let me tell you about my first sponsor at Squarespace.com. <laughs> what was it, Hattie? What was it that Rich uh, Stevens, our Stevens, said mm. about Squarespace? You look at it. It was well, the best. It was he the said best. Uh, the entire concept of podcasts is apparently brought to you by Squarespace. Right. They sponsor everything. <laughs> These guys sponsor everything, and and you know what? It's true. But they've learned that that they have the ability to sponsor stuff they like, and that other people like. And that's a really cool thing. I mean, if you think about it, they're dumping tons of money into podcast sponsorships because, first of all, it works, right? But second of all, they understand that this is a really great way to – and this is when when they first started sponsoring our stuff years and years and years ago. They they said the reason that we're sponsoring this stuff, we're not just – it's not like a website where we can say, oh, this website gets, you know, 50,000 visits a day. We will sponsor that because it gets 50. They're, they intentionally sponsor things that they like. They sponsor things that, that they like and that they know that the community likes. And, you know, this is just an aside because, I mean, this is part of their spot, right? But But the sponsors that we look for when we're trying to build – those relationships are the ones who are doing it, not just, well, we want a certain return on our investment. Of course they want that. But we want them to be passionate about the stuff that we're doing. We want them to be fans. It's not always possible to find that, but most of the time, that's who we try to work with. That's who we do work with. And I think that's part of our obligation is to try and find, you know, try and find a company that's like supportive and that gets it. Anyway, let me do their spot. They're an all-in-one platform. So you want to create a blog. You want to create a website. You want to make a portfolio. You want to sell stuff. They make all of this stuff possible. If you have a podcast and you want to like host it somewhere, they have that with the built-in players. If, you have, uh, if you're a musician and you want to go out there and put your music, your album, your latest album up there, they have that built-in player for that. You want to sell stuff, baconmethod.com, all of that, mugs, t-shirts, all the stuff that we sell through there, it's all right there. You click the little tools page on Bacon Method and it'll take you to like our recommended stuff to make the bacon the best way. You put your uh, little uh, Amazon affiliate code into the the back end in Squarespace, just one little blank, you put it in. Anytime that you link to something on Amazon, they'll automatically like put that affiliate code on there for you, your affiliate code. Little things like that. They've thought of everything. Beautiful templates that make it so easy to update your site, change your site around. And it starts at like eight bucks a month, which is insane. You register for a year, you get a free domain name. The code you're going to want to use for this is Dan sent me. You go to squarespace.com slash five by five code Dan sent me. And that's how you guys can, if you enjoy the show, want me to do more episodes of the show, Visit the sponsor. That's how you will be directly supporting the show by doing that. Go check them out. Squarespace.com. Code is Dan sent me. Starts at eight bucks a month. But I, I just see, you know, so go, going back to this Gordon Gecko thing, why this movie? Why, what kind of connection does Sean Blanc have to Wall Street and to Michael Douglas playing a, uh, a ruthless stockbrokering criminal? Well, his motivation, as evidenced in this whole movie, again, I don't want to ruin it because it's still a good movie, is his motivation is greed. And he's up there justifying when he talks about greed is good. He's justifying 
that, you know what, do the stuff that, that will make you the most money, do the stuff that will, it doesn't matter if people are going to be put out of work because you're going to buy this, this company in stock, you're going to then disband the company. Who cares? There's one you're seeing early on in the movie where he's sort of playing this game of trying to inflate stock prices to kind of mess with this other guy who's, you know, way richer than him. And he's going to make some money out of it, but he's trying to mess with the guy. The guy's trying to buy this company through stock and he's, he's trying to inflate the price of the stock just to screw with this other guy, basically. And this other guy says to him, he's like, I'm not doing this to make money. I'm not doing this because, you know, I'm playing a game. I, I, I want to turn this company around and do something better with it. He's like, the amount of money that you've, by raising this stock, he's like, I could have put in two new plants. You know, I could have saved 6,000 jobs. He's like, your, your game is costing millions and millions and millions of dollars. So how does this relate to Sean Blanc writing on the internet? <laughs> well, I'm going to tie this together. All right. Because, you know, doing, doing it's, it's all about that motivation. Because I think about, I think about you waking up in the morning, got your kids there, you know, you're wearing your t-shirt and sweatpants, you go into your room and shut the door, you put your headphones on and you start writing something. That is incredibly hard to do and your motivation isn't money. This sort of shallow motivation of money, of money and then getting more money. And in this movie, uh, Gordon Gecko talks about how like, Flying first class and being comfortable, like that's no way to live. Like you, you want to be, you want to be real wealthy, real wealth. Like Chris Rock says, wealthy. I'm trying to remember what he says when he's in the limo talking to Charlie Sheen. He said, "You want to be so wealthy that you you have enough time or something. You're rich enough to have time, time. to do something. You don't have to like waste that. time. Wait, that's what it was. That's what." It was. And I, I was thinking about how busy we've all been here uh, after our office move, you know, getting everything set up, moving all the things around. We got some people in town that we're doing meetings with, doing all these shows, rebuilding this whole studio. It looks great in here. We got to do a video tour. But it's a lot of work. We've been, all of us have been working from like 830 in the morning to like 7, 730 at night. And that's not unusual around here because we're doing, we're doing way too much. Me personally, I know I'm doing way too much. And I think about Sean doing this thing that he really likes, which I really like all this stuff. But like, I get the impression that your motivation isn't about, you want to earn money, you want to be comfortable. You want to, you want to have a nice life. You want to be able to afford, you know, kids, you know, sprains an ankle. You can, don't have to worry about where the money's going to, God forbid. You don't have to worry about where the money's going to come to go to the doctor. But I, I just get the impression that that's not your motivation at all, that you have the opposite motivation, that you're trying to craft a life. And if you will, a lifestyle business, the thing that is looked down upon most in Silicon Valley is creating a lifestyle business, something that uh, how awful would it be if it just if it supports like this modest lifestyle that you want to have? Hmm. What's your goal? I mean, what, where, where do you want to go with this? Are you building an, an empire? Are you just building something that will... Uh, will give you something you enjoy doing day in and day out? Uh, both. I mean, I would love to, I would love to have so much money that I don't have to worry about wasting time. 
Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm certainly not anti wealth by any means. Um, and, uh, but my kind of my mindset towards, you know, growing the business and, and doing things like that is, you know, I kind of like the, the slower is the steady approach. Uh, I like bootstrapping everything that I do. Um, you know, maybe that won't make me $10 billion one day and, and I'm okay with that. Um, and so as the sites grow and, you know, as I'm able to bring on more help, like, and, and build things out, um, you know, but growing at, at a pace where I'm still able to, to, to be involved, still able to do, uh, the work that I enjoy doing mm-hmm. and then hopefully empower other guys to be able to do really great work as well. And, you know, and, and slowly build that out. We can, we can help more people. We can, you know, add more jobs and things like that. So, so it's a little bit of both end. Like I, I don't want to be just a one man solo shop forever. Uh, but I also, am not trying to, to build some sort of thing that I would then cash out and then go retire on a beach. Um, that, that doesn't really sound super appealing to me. Is it, is it possible, Sean, for the person who's listening to the show right now, they're listening to the show and maybe they're a very, very good writer and they have some really, really good, interesting things to say. And they say, you know what? I want, I want to do what Sean does. Is that possible? Can they do that? Can they do that right now? Yeah, I think so. I think, I mean, not like this afternoon. It's not like they just go sign up on Squarespace what do they and have then to they're, do? they're, they're good to go tomorrow. Um, I think, you know, it's interesting. Like I've kind of looked at this uh, from time to time and it seems like the, the, the average time that it takes from when you sort of start, you know, hustling and, and, and doing the work and building your audience to when you're able to kind of launch that into something that is, sustainable enough that you can, you know, you're, you're paying your bills. You're, you know, like as a self-employed, like running my own business, I'm in charge of all my health insurance. I'm in charge of, you know, my, my IRA, I'm in charge of the mortgage. I'm in charge of all of that stuff. So all the perks, all the benefits that you get from, from working uh, a, a regular job, you know, with the health insurance, the retirement stuff, the salary, uh, you pay less taxes when, when you work uh, for someone else, you know, so I pay the self-employment tax, all that stuff. Um, so getting to the point where you can manage all of that, pay all those bills, uh, have money that you're able to, to save, invest back into the business as well as investing for future, and then and then take home your salary to actually then pay the mortgage, pay your car insurance, put food on the table, you know, take your kids out for ice cream when they, when they do good or whatever. Um, I think it takes about my guess it takes like four years to get there from when you first start day one working beginning to build something to now you're, you're, you're reaching uh, self-employment, sustainable income levels that, you know, at the income I'm making right now, I could do this for the rest of my life. And, you know, I could put my kids through college, we, and all of that stuff. Um, and, you know, it t- took me about four years to get to the point where I could quit. And then it took me about two to three years to, to then build the income of the business up to where I could, uh, you know, have all those things in place with the budgeting and, and all that stuff. Um, so it definitely, definitely takes a lot of time. And I think it's different. Like there's different approaches now. Like, um, there's this guy who's, who's, uh, advocating, um, you know, writing, uh, books as, as your primary means of making income, Nathan Berry. And then, uh, James Altucher is this guy who's kind of become super popular lately. Oh, Alt- does, Altucher. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and he does this, this podcast and he, like he had one with Tim Ferriss recently yeah. and I was listening to that. And, uh, and another one with a guy, I cannot remember the guy's name. Um, and this one guy, like he's written like 50 Amazon, like eBooks and they're like 
you know, they're all like 10, 15,000 words. He sells them for like 99 cents. And each one only does like, you know, five to 10 sales a day, but he's got 50 of them in there. And so he's, he's basically doing like $30,000, $40,000 a month in Amazon Kindle sales from his 50 books that some do, mm-hmm. you know, some do better. Some are doing a couple hundred bucks a day or a couple hundred bucks a month. And then some are doing several thousand bucks a month, but he's got the like, the volume of it. Um, and so I, th- I think that, you know, if I was doing things differently, I don't know if the start a blog and then hopefully you'll be able to have enough traffic to sell ads. I don't think that that should be the dream of the, I want to be a self-employed writer, um, in terms of the, the path that you take. I think there's a lot other, a lot of other ways that you can go to, uh, you know, to doing things, but a hundred percent, you got to have a blog. You got to be writing every day. Um, because if you want to be a writer, like that's, you have to write, right? Like you got to do that. And I think having a blog, having it out there where you've got an audience, it's you're writing for public and you've got this commitment here. I am. I'm going to show up every day. I'm going to write something, you know, maybe it'll suck. Maybe it won't, but that's not the point. The point is I wrote something and I published it and it takes a while for you to get your traction. It takes a while for you to get your voice and to figure things out. And, and that's kind of part of the reason, right? Like you don't just start day one and, and you're, boom, there you go. You've got an audience, you got a following and you've got a history of writing consistently. So you, you got to, got to, got to start and get going. And then as you build your audience, you begin to, okay, what, what are some things I can do to now begin to make a dollar? And, you know, maybe you do start with ads and, and that's part of it. And maybe mm-hmm. you start with some memberships and maybe that's part of it. Then maybe you take some of your blog posts and you, you bundle them up and, um, and, and you sell that as an ebook and maybe do it again or, you know, whatever, maybe that's something Patrick Rohn does. He's, he's doing these little minimal guides and he did one on, uh, you know, doing a, being, being a Mac consultant. He just did one recently on writing, uh, you know, how to, how to be a writer and stuff like that. So, um, there's a, min, a bazillion ways to make money, but you've got to actually create the content before you can have an audience and before you can then have something to sell. You know, and that is, I think, the tricky part for people. They will often, I mean, in podcasting especially, and again, you've got a successful podcast. People will come to me and say, we've been doing, first of all, they'll be like, can we join five by five? And the answer is like, well, maybe. And then they'll say, well, can you sell ads for us with, with Archer? And maybe we'd like to talk about it. So, you know, what kind of audience do you have? How long have you been doing it? And they'll, and they'll say, Oh, we've been doing the show every week because people always hear my advice and look at, look at, look at your track record. You're consistent. That's the key, Sean. That's the key. Be consistent. Absolutely. You show up and you write even when you don't feel like it. Right. Well, the internet, I believe kind of thrives on these patterns and, and the consistency of, you know, like you, you wake up in the morning, you check Twitter, you check your email, you check your RSS. And like you, like as a, you know, as a content consumer, air quotes, you get that pattern, like you get in that habit and you begin to gravitate towards like, you're like, okay, okay, internet, I'm showing up, I'm here. What do you have for me? You gravitate towards those that are then producing content for you to consume. I'm whatever. I, I don't like those terms, create content, consume content, but whatever, you know what I'm saying? And so I think that, you know, doing the podcast every single week, writing a blog post every single day. Like you are there, you're, you're, you're now creating something for an audience that thrives on like consistency and patterns. And that is, I think like 
building an audience 101 is you show up consistently and and your your skills will like there's so many byproducts to showing up every day that you know like your skill you get better at it you you learn like when I first started doing my Shonda Day podcast like I was recording them using QuickTime uh, the, with the built-in mic on my, or no, I didn't even have, I had like a USB like head headset. <laughs> right, mic, right, right. Right. Like that you see like the, the dorky guy, like the as seen on TV kid, right. you know, yeah. you know, with like the, the, the chintzy swink and smile. Like I had one of those things and like it started out, I was using like quick time to record my show and, and like slowly I just, I learned, oh, I need to get a better microphone and oh, there's these way better podcasting tools and, and way better editing software and oh, this, this better way to kind of automate the upload process. Oh, I should be embedding the artwork in my MP3. Like you kind of, I learned all of that on the way, but I, I just started and it was dorky, but it, it was, I showed up every day and I did it and, yeah. and people were okay with it and they, they loved the show in those early days even because there was just this total like silly, like raw, uh, a component to it. And, um, you know, and then like the, obviously like the production quality has increased significantly since I've been, you know, I'm on like episode 600 now. It's, it's way, way, way better than episode one and two and three. Um, and so, but if I waited, like then I would have nothing. I'd be starting from ground zero today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so there's so much that, that comes with like the consistency, just showing up every day. You learn, you get better and you build an audience all at the same time. One of the things that's so important besides that consistency and being consistently good, and this is what those podcasters will say, we've been consistent. Uh, we do a show every week. And, you know, I'll listen to the show and I'll say, yeah, it's not bad. So, well, how do I get the word out about it? How can I, how can I get more people to listen or more people to read? And it's so frustrating because we've done shows here that I thought were really, really great. You know, whether they had great guests or really we spent a lot of time in the production and for whatever reason, they don't resonate with the audience, whether it's a particular episode or a whole show, it doesn't resonate with you. It's just, it's also a timing thing. It's a topic thing. It's a timing thing. And there's so much of that. I think when you're doing regular writing or when you're doing podcasts or when you're doing this kind of thing, there's always that element of timing. It's not luck. I mean, I get, you know, I don't believe in luck. That it definitely happens, but it's not something you can rely on. And I prefer to to believe in things that I can rely on. You know, none of us control anything, but I believe that there's something to be said for, you know, people will say, well, I believe in luck. I make my own luck. Well, that just means you work hard. That means you put in the time. You you are consistent. And even when it things like when it seems like things aren't going your own way, right? Even when it seems like, man, I really wanted five hundred donors, you know, supporting this thing. I've only got one hundred and fifty, dude. You've got one hundred and fifty. There's one hundred and fifty people who believe in the thing that you're doing, you know. And well, that's not enough. Okay, <laughs> maybe that's not enough. What's the answer then, Sean? Like, what do you do? Yeah. What, how did you do that? How did did you have? I need this many people to keep doing what I'm doing. I did. I, uh, when I, when I first started the, the site full time, um, I kind of figured I, I took like a wild guess as to how many people I thought would sign up. Well, it wasn't a wild guess. It was kind of educated guess. Uh, and so I kind of calculate, I did like this reverse math. Okay. How much do I need per month, uh, to kind of at least survive for a little bit and, and start putting my full time energy into doing the site. Uh, and so I kind of had like this, 
this hunch of like, okay, this is how many people I need and, or this is how many people I think will sign up. If they pay this month, this much, then I equal, you know, this is what I get for my, uh, my total income from the membership. Um, and so that's kind of how I started. And I think that this is kind of a, a side point though, but you know, we look and we go, Oh man, I only got 150 people that signed up. And, uh, and I think that a lot of times we look at, um, you know, we're, we're online, we're looking at these people that are doing stuff. And you look at guys, uh, like a friend of mine, Sean McCabe, who, who did this, uh, e-course, uh, video course on learn lettering. It's like yeah. this hand lettering. Stuff. Oh, he's amazing. Super, super talented guy. And, you know, he's shared some of the numbers, right? And he did like $95,000 in sales in the first, uh, like 20 or like 40 hours or something like that. And uh, I think he's done like already like double that now since it launched uh, 12 weeks ago. And so you look at that or you look at guys that go, you know, Hey, there's, um, you look at John Gruber, he's got 200,000, uh, people that subscribe to his, uh, websites feed. And, uh, these other people that just have these massive, massive audiences and they're, they're doing uh, so much, uh, you know, huge audiences and, and huge incomes. Right. And, and you go, Oh man, you know, like my paltry 150 people, is so, so pathetic. And, and we kind of define like success in terms of like the, these, these spotlight figures that have done really, really well. And, and that's what we gravitate to. Like those stories get told and spread far and wide, but for every, you know, every person that has a huge audience like that, there's 150 more people or, or 500 people yeah. or a thousand people that have a smaller audience and, you know, like it's nothing glamorous about the, the quote unquote, the smaller one, but it's like, Hey, you know what? Well, a, they've got a little bit less stress and pressure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and they're, they're doing well enough that they're, they're supporting their family. They're doing what they love. And it's like, what's wrong with that? Nothing, absolutely nothing. Yeah. And, and we, we feel like we're failures because we didn't strike it big and, and, and win the lottery big time. But yet here, like, what's wrong with, uh, you know, having this, this steady income that you can is sustainable. And, uh, and it's interesting. Like I read this, uh, I'm reading this book called the millionaire next door. And it, it talks a lot about, uh, basically how something like the majority of America's, uh, millionaires are, you know, they're all worth less than, than $10 million. You know, most of them are worth like two to three and they all have salaries of like 150,000 a year yeah. is, is their income. That's the shocking part. Right. And they live, they just live simply and, and they're comfortable and they're, they're content in their lifestyle. And, and then here they are, they're millionaires and they actually have a, a more net worth than someone who makes 5 million a year. Cause the guy that makes 5 million a year spends 4.999 million of yep. it, or he spends, you know, 5 million in a dollar and he's actually in debt. Mm-hmm. He's actually got credit card debt living on 5 million a year. Cause he, he doesn't know how to handle his money. And so there's so much that can be said for, uh, you know, it's okay to, to not have a massive audience and to not ever have a glamour story written about you, but you're doing work that you love. You're genuinely connecting. Even if you're connecting with like one or two people, like how many people in their life don't connect with anyone or, or affect anyone. Yeah. And, and the fact that you're able to do that, I, I, it speaks volumes. You just don't have a million uh, Twitter people patting you on the back saying, oh, I wish I could be you. Right. And, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you've been successful. That's a really great point. I mean, and again, you define success, you define levels of success. You, you have to set those goals for yourself. And I think for a lot of people, their goal is like, I just want to pay. I just want to be able to own a house. Like that's their goal. And for other people, it's like, I want a second house on the beach. 
You know, it really depends. For other people, it's, I want to, you know, I want a condo in uh, in in Midtown Manhattan. You know, overlooking uh, Central Park. Like it, it depends, and you have to sort of set those goals for yourself. But you also have to have the reasonable ex- reasonable expectations. You also have to be willing to put in the time, and that's the thing that I think is so hard for people. And there's so many people out there now, and because Twitter gives them. And I'm not saying this, this could sound like I'm saying it as a bad thing. I don't mean it as a bad thing. But things like Twitter uh, give people, and YouTube for that matter, give people the ability to have a voice in ways that they never used to have a voice. But you also have people who are sort of dispensing opinions and advice uh, without necessarily having, and this is going to sound weird, without necessarily having done anything. There are a lot of people who haven't done anything. I'm not saying it's a requirement. A lot of people haven't done anything. So, you know, but but yet they're experts. They're not really experts, but they're experts. They know what they're talking about, but they, they maybe they don't really know what they're talking about. It's very, very hard to discriminate between that on something like Twitter. And it's not like someone needs to show up with credentials in order for someone to pay attention to them. And that's the amazing thing is it's really possible for somebody to to start out with no following, uh, with n- having done, I'm doing little air quotes, with nothing, having done nothing. But then they do have something to say and they do have some insight from wherever they got it. It's possible for them to skyrocket into notoriety because of something like Twitter. Mm-hmm. Because they were a founder or a co-founder of a company that had some kind of success, perhaps due to timing, perhaps due to hard work and luck or whatever you want to call it, that now they have become some kind of uh, some kind of expert or some kind of force, you know, and then you look at other people who are just there putting in the time every day with a very small audience, with a very small listenership, with a very small reader base, doing a video every day. And that video is, you know, watched by 1500 people. And these people are at that point where they're like, how do I go? Okay, I've got 5,000 followers on Twitter. Like, why don't I have 50,000? Because the stuff I'm saying is just as funny as the person who has 50,000. Well, it takes time. And it, it, you have this weird thing where on the one hand, you have this explosive potential because of something like Twitter or Medium or whatever, where in theory, you could say something one day and the next day you've got 150,000 new followers. Like that happens. But at the same time, you can have people who are saying funny things, good things, interesting things, contributing content, making great stuff, who are sitting there frustrated like, why is no one discovering this? And that's the number one question that I've been asked since I started 5 by 5 in 2008, 2009, is what advice do you have for a podcaster who's trying to get more, you know, more listeners? And it's the hardest question because... All the things that I say are actually just the things that have worked for us, that worked for me. You know, be consistent, come out uh, with, you know, and the shows that we do here that aren't consistent, guess what? They have less listeners than the shows that are consistent, regardless of how good either of those two shows are. Being consistent is is super important. And then the person will say, well, we are consistent. We've released an episode a week, every week for two years. But how can we only have 1,800 downloads a week? I don't know. 
Like, what advice do you have for them, Sean? How do they how do they grow that listener base? How do they grow their their readership? What do they do? It's it's hard because there's no silver bullet. Um, I think that you know you've got more and more people that are um, you know willing to do the hard work. They've got the talent. They've got the skill. And so it's not like you're just uh, like you're not only just like a needle in a haystack in some ways. You're you're like a needle in the needle stack for lack of a better term. Like there's a lot of great people doing really great stuff. Um, and, and all of them are on that same level. Like, how do I grow my audience? How do I build things out? And so if you've got the consistency and you've got the quality, uh, I think a lot of it now comes down to basically like the, the quality of your brand, like they're like, you know, someone lands on your website. So, and they look at it, the, you know, how does the, the audio of your podcast sound, the intro music, the, all of that stuff, is there like a, an aura of professionalism about it? And I think that's a huge one. Um, and then, you know, just kind of like hustling and, and getting your name out there and you, you know, have guests and do interviews. And, it's about people, and, right? It's right, about punch. people. Yeah. Punch way above your, your, your belt uh, size or whatever, your, your weight limit, whatever, whatever that is, the term is and, and, and reach for the stars, right. And, and try to get these other people to, to come and be on your show and, and do your research and have like an amazing interview with them, be the best uh, interviewer that you can possibly be with these guys. And then, you know, when they're on your show, then hopefully then they'll say, Hey, I was on this show with uh, so-and-so. And then you're, you're beginning to slowly expand your reach. Uh, you know, and I think, um, you know, doing things beyond just, you know, having the podcast and being out there, like, uh, you know, do, you know, transcribe your podcast maybe and turn that into blog posts and, and then maybe turn that into like short little tweet snippets and, and, and tweet this stuff on a regular basis. And, and, you know, maybe write guest blog posts and then have that link back to one of the corresponding podcasts that you recorded. And, and, and just like, there's a lot of ways to do it, but there it's, it's really hard work. And, and the consistency and the quality is like, that's, that's 101. That's the foundation. But then if you're going to build on top of that, like there's a lot to do that, that goes to build on top of that. It's all about building though. And it, and, and you touched on this, it's about people. It's about knowing people. It's about having or making connections with other people, but doing that, uh, you know, there's a lot of people and you see this so much in, in the world of sales of, you know, the guy that knows everybody and that's useful, but there's something that's so important about the community and, and, and trade like, okay, so we're doing, we're doing some video stuff and I haven't done video I, for the first two years of five by five, we did video stuff and it was me by myself in my t-shirt and sweatpants in my room, like, you know, I would do the, the sort of talking head style stuff and we'd record the shows that way. And then I would edit them myself and fit in, put the things, you know, the lower thirds on and put in the intro and outro stuff. And, you know, back then the interest in video was way less than it is now. And we didn't have YouTube the same way we do now. And we didn't have different distribution methods for video the way we do now. And, it was really a struggle for me to record, you know, prepare for all the shows, record all the shows, edit all the shows and do the video version. So I just stopped doing the video versions. Part of the reason that we got this new studio though here is because it's going to let us to do, let us do a lot more with video. So we're ramping up for that. We actually have ramped up for it, but there's a lot of little, little tricks and little things that you want to do. And so I asked uh, my friend Tom Merritt, I'm like, you do video stuff, right? And he's like, yeah, of course. And I said, well, how, how is it that you do it? And he shared everything with me. He's like, 
this is probably a way more information than you wanted, but like, here's everything we do. He didn't have to share that with me. He and I are friends and I don't see him as a competitor, except in the sense of somebody's going to have people have a limited amount of time to spend doing stuff. They have a limited amount of time. They're not going to read 50 articles a day. They're going to read five or 10. And Sean wants to, you know, you want, you want, Sean Blanc wants to be on that list of things that they read. SeanBlanc.com. That's going to be on the list. So you have to, you're, you're compelled to do good stuff. So in that sense, Tom and I compete because we both want listeners and viewers of our shows. He didn't have to share any. He could have been like, oh, we just upload over here. No, he shared everything about how he, how he's doing it. That's the way Tom is, mm-hmm. you know, but I try, I try to, to, to do that too. Whenever people, I'll try at least once a week. Usually it winds up being on the weekends and I'll say, ask me anything you want to know about podcasting on Twitter. And usually I get anywhere from 10 to a hundred people ask me questions because it's usually at a, like a weird time, like 2 PM on a Sunday or something when I get an hour, but I try and answer all of these questions. And you know, that's the thing though, is like some people act like, well, they, I don't want to share the secret to my success because if I share that, then you'll be able to do it. Well, how often in, in the space that we're in would some, one person doing something great take away from somebody else doing something great? I mean, yeah, what I just said, you want them to read your site, but that should just make you feel compelled to keep doing great work. If you do great work, there are people out there who will want to consume it. Right. It's not a zero sum. Yeah, yeah, not at all. Anyway, listen, we got to do our last sponsors, HostGator.com, Linux VPS hosting. You know what? That's, that's all I should, Hattie, that's what you don't need. I don't need any more of this. That's it. Just the one sentence. That's all I got to say. Okay. If you're looking for VPS hosting, Linux VPS hosting, go here. I mean, that's it. That's it. There's nothing more to say because it, they have the best stuff. They have the best infrastructure. You customize your plan. You want to get eight gigs of RAM. You go all the way up to eight gigs of RAM, four cores, 240 gigs of disk. You need less than that. You just slide the slider down and make, give yourself less. It's that simple. It couldn't be easier to completely customize the virtual private server that you have. You think, you think you're going to be big time? Great. Go with them. And when you are big time and you need your own dedicated servers, dedicated hardware, big rack stuff, they do all of that. And they'll upgrade you. They will upgrade you seamlessly from the VPS right up to the dedicated stuff. Totally customizable. They're doing off-site backups. They got one-click installers for pretty much all the software you would ever want to install. And they even proactively upgrade their legacy customers to the new stuff whenever they come out with the new stuff. So you don't have to. It's not. Oh, oh yeah, Sean's stuff is on that old sir. Yeah, sucks to be him. No, doesn't suck to be Sean. They will upgrade Sean. Use the code Dan sent me 50% off all their VPS stuff. Dan sent me is the code hostgator.com is the site. Go check them out. Thanks very much to them for supporting the show. Sean, what's in the future for you? What's coming out? What are you doing next? What's your big thing? I I, I know what you're not going to be doing. We don't have to talk about that. Okay. But I know Um, what you're not going to be doing. Okay. What are you going to be doing? Uh, I am going to be doing, I'm working on a big update to this book that I wrote a year ago called Delight is in the Details. Um, so making some updates to that. And uh, I'm, I've got another project that I'm working on as well. And uh, that's it. That's it. 
That's all you can it's, say. It's it's summertime. I mean, see, I does that? Be, I want to be outside. See, that's the thing. That's the thing. I guess I need to learn because I don't. I don't really take vacations or breaks that much. Uh, I, I work a lot. I love what I do. But uh, maybe I need to take more breaks. I keep telling myself I should. I think I I can't remember who said this or where, but it's it's not a quote from me. Uh, but it's the I, I can't remember exactly remember the quote. But the the idea is uh, it's not about work life balance. It's uh, about work life boundaries. And um, you know, so I'm I'm kind of a big proponent of basically just kind of having you know schedule to your time and and knowing you know what you're going to be doing and and when you're going to be doing it. Uh, and you know, I found that as you know that that kind of helps release a lot of the uh, you know just the the cognitive like stress or pressure of mm-hmm. you know doing like like creative work all day long is you've kind of mapped out like okay this is how long I'm going to work on this and and this is my goal for the day these are my you know main three projects or whatever and then you know I'm only going to work until you know 4:30 and then when I'm done I'm I'm I've done and I've if I've accomplished these main things then it's a successful day. And that kind of helps you to just like be able to wind down and, and not carry work home or, you know, for me, carry work upstairs. And then, uh, you know, saying I'm not working on the weekends or whatever. And you know, there's exceptions sometimes like right now I'm really head down in the update for this book. And so I'm, I'm it's kind of like all I'm thinking about right now. It's like the top idea in my head. Uh, you know, so like I, I worked a couple extra hours last night, but I was like excited about it. Like there was a momentum there. And so I was doing some writing and um, and, and making some updates to the website for the book and, and things like that. And then there's, yeah, like it wasn't work, right? Like it was, it was fun. So, so there's definitely exceptions from here to there, but I think taking time off is important. I don't know. I, I mean, I, I think everyone should, uh, take time off. No, it is. It really is. It's important. All right. Well, well we got a couple call- I feel bad leaving the callers. We got to take a, can we take a couple calls? Is that guy still on hold from like an hour ago? I don't know. That's dedication. Let's see if this even works. Okay, caller, go ahead. How are you today? Welcome to the show. What do you want to say to Sean? I actually don't need to talk to Sean. I need to talk to you. Well, now I'm nervous. What do you want to say? What's up? What's going on? (laughs) No, no, no. It's great. It's great. Uh, I'm Aaron Dowd. I called you last year. Oh, yeah. I remember you. Doing podcasts. I quit. You did? Well, if I had a bell in here, I'd ring it for you. Ding, ding. What's going on? Hold on. I can get, I, I can get a bell. Where's, where's Merlin? <laughs> yeah, where is Merlin? Where is Merlin indeed? So tell me, tell me your story. What happened with you? What are you, what are you talking about? What, what, you tell us your story and then bring us up to speed with what has happened. I'll bring you up to speed. I, I, heard, I first heard your, uh, your network probably back in 2009. Okay. 2010. Uh, I had I was working a terrible, terrible factory job. I was a oh, drummer yeah. and I remember trying you. to do that. Yeah, yeah. So, so I saw you had posted a job for an audio engineer, and I was teaching myself that stuff because I, I wanted to record the bands I was in. Uh, and I had I loved podcasts. I was listening to you know tons and tons of shows all the time, nonstop. And I hadn't even ever considered that that was a possibility uh, to be a podcast editor. And so I started, so I started, uh, learning that stuff. I helped, uh, I helped start a show, helped edit it for a while. And then I reached out to the guys at the shop talk show. Um, and they told some friends about me and I put up a website about it. And, uh, now a couple of years later, it is my full-time job. And that's really awesome. That is so cool. 
So what? It, tell tell us a little I, bit more about I, it. Like, I, what are you doing? Um, basically, people will send me audio files with Dropbox or Google Drive. I will put the shows together, uh, edit the content, add the music, add the intros, the outros. Um, make sure you know, make sure it sounds good. Um, and then I do a fair bit of consulting too. A lot of it is, you know, people are starting shows and doing shows, but they have tons and tons of questions, and I've just I've learned answers to a lot of the different common problems that people run into with podcasting and the whole process. So I help them with that stuff. And then it, it, I just, I save people time every week. You know, they finish, they finish recording a show. They put it together. Uh, um, I can, I'll uh, name drop my good friend, Sean McCabe, uh, who actually texted me earlier and told me that, uh, that you guys were doing a live show. Cause I actually, I didn't know that you were live on quit and I, I've been meaning to call you. It's just, I haven't been keeping up with the schedule. That's awesome. I'm so, so glad. We were actually talking yeah. about Sean McCabe earlier yeah, he, on the uh, show. Yeah, Sean uh, was talking about him and, yeah. and the lettering stuff, and that's so cool. What is you know, and it's a small world. I, it really is, and I'm I'm editing his podcast now too. So I did just uh, and and now I'm going to be doing a bunch of tutorials and articles uh, to help people with this stuff. And I know you have a book coming out, and I'm I'm on the list, so I'm going to buy it, read it. Pick up anything new and then, and then say. share the knowledge. Yeah, and you know that's the that's the other thing. It. It's well, thanks. I mean, it's it's a kind of thing that it, it's always exciting to hear that people are, uh, you know, that that there that you could do something and and it helps other people. I mean, that's just kind of crazy uh, to me that you know you have a conversation with somebody and like it it helps them make these changes to their life in some tiny, tiny, tiny little way. But that's really awesome, man. That's really, really cool. I love hearing oh, a story was, like that. This was, this is massive for me, like getting to do this full time because, because when I started, you know, I wanted to be a traveling musician. I wanted to travel and play with bands. It was like, I don't want to be broke all the time. And so I was like, I was thinking, what can I do for money? Well, I'm set now. Like I can, I can do this job from anywhere as long as I have a connection to the internet. And it, it, it's just, it's, it's, and I love it. And I'm, honestly, I'm making way more money than I've ever made, nice. uh, but it's still a good value that it's, just, and I'm spending, I'm spending time with podcasts, which is like, they're my favorite thing in the world pretty yeah. much. And you know what? I mean, as the podcast industry grows, you know, what you do can grow and pretty soon you'll have a little studio You'll make a name for yourself as doing this kind of stuff. You'll be able to hire somebody if you wanted oh, yeah. to and expand it out or just make a nice living for yourself because this stuff's not going away. And more and more people no, are out there, you. <laughs> you know, well, no. And that's the thing is like we do a lot of production. We do for for the strong majority of our shows, we record them here and we, we edit them here and that type of thing and that we stream them and we got the apps, we got the infrastructure and all of that stuff. Uh, but there are a lot of people who have something fun and interesting to say, uh, but you know they but they don't know how to edit or they don't want to edit. They just want to record. They can hand it off to a guy like you. Yeah, that's that's what's happened, and it's, you know it's been fantastic. And and also I, I have a kind of a funny story. Whenever you posted uh, for your job a while back, um, I don't know if I sent you an email or something, but you had said something about that on the very next episode. You're like, I got a lot of applicants. And, and like the first thing I noticed was that, that what well, you said, there's something to the effect of, uh, you guys weren't following directions. And I was like, Oh no. <laughs> Cause one of the things you had mentioned in the posting was you must live in Austin. And right. I was just like, well, I'm just going to email him anyways and see. <laughs> uh, and, and, and that was really good for me because I realized that 
first off, I need to slow down and really, really pay attention to what people ask me to do. And, you know, if I can't, if I can't do that, you know, I don't need to be, I don't need to be emailing Dan if I'm not in Austin. (laughs) Well, no, and I appreciate, I appreciate the email, but that's, but you know, that's something interesting. We've talked about that on this show about how, like how to apply for a job and where, where to go and how to follow instructions and things like that. And like, we, we do a lot of hands-on stuff here. We need somebody who's like, physically here in the room to connect the different people on Skype, to EQ it, to ride the faders, to make sure everything is good, to grab the files, to sit there and edit them and publish them. And, and especially now that we're doing more video, like you have to physically be here. And there were so many great people like yeah. you who applied and you're like, wow, I wish I could hire this person. Uh, he or she would be really awesome. But, oh, they're in Kentucky or they're in New York or they're in Chicago. And it's like that's not the the number one thing that we need. And the number one thing is like Austin people, if you're here in Austin, there's a job for you here in Austin at our Austin based studio. And, uh, and you know, and right. people and, must and, wear an Austin shirt, right? Must your name must be Austin. <laughs> that was a funny tweet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Their name must be Austin and they must wear an Austin t-shirt, but you know, but really like it's, it's funny because if, if I had, if I owned a, a grocery store, And I said, I need, you know, I need somebody to be a cashier at the grocery store. You wouldn't have someone in another city saying, well, I could be the cashier from right here. But because because (laughs) that's a good good comparison, because we do we're in technology. Right. And this guy who just who's sitting here on the phone call you who's calling us now. Like you could edit our shows from there. We would, you know, zip them up and upload them to, to a server and you would use our CMS from there. Well, that's how I did it for the first two years. I had Jim uh, Metzendorf doing it and then Mark Miles was doing it. And, you know, but getting somebody here really speeds up our turnaround time. And it means that I'm not the single human being alive who knows how all this stuff works. And, you know, a human being can record all of our shows and then I can be in the other office you know, selling stuff or making the, the network run or writing code or writing a book or talking to a sponsor, you know, it, all of these other things that have to happen that I can't be that single bottleneck for. And that's what I want to talk about on the next episode of the show is uh, bottlenecks. So that's going to be the, the next episode. Yeah. But uh, caller, thank you so much. Listen, best of luck to you. I'm really glad that uh, that this was helpful uh, to you in some small way. So, so good luck. And, uh, and by the way, after the show, send me an email and just remind me who you are. Cause I, there's, there's a couple people I want to send your way. Okay. Thank you. All right. And, 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 and seriously, you, you changed my life. Oh, you're, so you're sweet goes. to say it. that's not so, true, but you're you. sweet to say it. Thanks. Thanks very much for the call. No, it, it totally, totally is, man. We'll Stop talk it. to you later. Stop it. Talk to you later. <laughs> All right, Sean, we got one more call. Maybe this person wants to talk to you. I, I like hearing him talk to you. All right. Uh, go ahead, caller. Are you there? Do we have a new caller? Hello. Area code 817. See, I know it's this is not me this time. No, no. All I did was go back there and unplug it and replug it. Why <laughs> should that do anything? I didn't even switch cable. I just unplugged it and replugged it. Have you tried turning it off and on again? Well... I'll try that. No, this doesn't make sense. Caller. No, see, now there's a new, a new call. Another new call. Another new call. I'll unmute that person. <laughs> Go ahead, caller. Hello. Hi. Hello. Can you hear me this time? Yeah. Uh, my name is Jordan. Hi. Uh, I, uh, I was fired. 
Uh, and it was the best thing that happened to me. The be- oh, did uh, you tweet me? Did you tweet me and say that you were going to call in and talk about how that was the best thing? Was that you? Yes. Well, I guess yes, that was me. I guess concur- congratulations. I, <laughs> I mean, it was about a while ago. I was, you know, I was calling to talk about it because it's been, I mean, it's been four years, I guess now. Oh. I was working as a administrative assistant at a law firm. I was I was responsible, or as I answered to twenty seven people. Um, I was responsible for work. I had to prioritize based on basically the ranking of the 27 people the best I could. you got to be wow. kidding me. How can you be responsible and to 27 dropped, people? That's insanity. That's nonsense. The department I was in had 27 people, lawyers and paralegals, and I was the lowest person on the totem pole. And any single person in the entire department spread across three offices across the state could ask me to do something at any given time. Um, when I started, there were three administrative assistants. By the time while I was there, so one of them was promoted, the other one left, and I was on my own. Um, I basically something happened. I dropped the ball because of the fact that I didn't answer to twenty seven people. The client who was very large, who had some ball dropped, yeah, was very angry. They wanted someone's head. I was the obvious head, um, and uh, you know it was at the time I was. I actually. My wife said I had this weight off my shoulders um, when I got fired. So, and I actually ended up with a job doing something not my, not exactly what I wanted to be doing, but I was able to get a job the next week working as the uh, executive assistant to the CEO and running the same guy's uh, city council campaign. Um, while I was at his company, I got to participate at a high level. I had an opportunity to teach myself server management. And then I became a freelance web developer. And that's what I've been doing for the last four years. You know, I'm uh, starting to... the last two full-time, but before that... I'm starting to get a really weird feeling listening to you talk. And I'll tell you what that is, because this, is, this has been... So many people call in here, and they say one of two things, Sean. They say, I quit my job, it was the best thing I ever did. Or I got fired, and it was the best thing that ever happened to me. And I have yet, I'm trying, I'm racking my brain, trying to think of a time when somebody called in and said, I quit and it was the worst thing I ever did. I got fired and I don't know what to do. There have definitely been people who have called who have sort of been out out of work or trying to do something crazy. But time and time again, it seems to me like people quit or get fired and they, they turn things around and it's almost like they're sitting there waiting for that kick in the pants, right? Like they need something to be like, wow, I didn't realize how miserable I was until I got fired. Or I didn't, I didn't realize how unhappy I was until, you know, uh, uh, until I really walked out of there and said, no, forget it, you know? And, and this is the kind of thing that it takes to like turn your, your life around in some way. And and two out of two today, right? I think that it'd be interesting, you know, Jordan, I just want to say congrats on, yeah, on building up your, your development business. It, it would be interesting to, to come back and all, all of us that have said, Hey, I quit my job and it, you know, I, I lost my job and it was the best thing that ever happened to me. Come back in five years from now or in 10 years from now. And how many other, uh, you know, has there been another significant change where you've, you basically have quit or been, you know, fired from, from your, the next thing that you went on to, 
And would you say that was the, the best thing that also has happened to you? Or was it like, like the first one kind of like, that's like the wake up jolt. And then all the, the, the big transitions that come afterwards are you're, 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 you're moving forward and you, you kind of have a better sense of where you're headed and what you're doing. You're taking more joy in your, in your work, more pride in it. And you keep looking back to that initial jolt that, that, that woke you up and said, Oh, you know, this is, this is where I want to go. And this is the direction I want to start heading. Just, I actually worked out a little part of the part where I actually took another job in the middle that got fired from. Basically I took the job so that I could move to a better area. I was living in an area that was pretty much a dead end. I took a job as a salesperson for a local newspaper. I was terrible at it, but the job was able to allow me to move to an area where I was able to build the web development business and build this career doing websites and working in web development. And now, I mean, two, two years later, after starting full-time doing web development, I'm in a place where I'm applying for companies that I'm interested in working for and I'm getting interviews. Um, and I would never have been able to do that if I hadn't spent a year and a half, two years, like putting out 50 sites in a year, kind of just piles and piles of small work to be able to put up that much work that fast and build awesome. a portfolio. Well, I'm excited. So, I'm glad. I mean, that's my story. I, I got fired twice in two years and it was great. I mean, it was what I needed. That's the thing. And you never know it. You never know it until later. You, you know, you can, you can look back and be like, wow, I was miserable, but there is sometimes it's, if you have like a good boss, you've got somebody who's, you know, who actually, it doesn't sound necessarily like you did, but if it, you know, the, the people, people sometimes around you know more about how you feel and what you're doing than you do yourself. So anyway, listen, congratulations, I guess, for getting fired and, uh, and finding something, Awesome. I hope the listeners, uh, you know, listen to your story and, you know, learn from it. Don't be so scared of getting fired. Don't be so scared. (laughs) You know what? Everybody should go out and try to get fired. That's your homework assignment. Go even mine, Dan. <laughs> nah, yeah. Try well. You, you, it, you know. I would say you are already trying to get fired, right? Uh, but uh, no, I poor, think you know. Performance. But here's the thing: is that is that either if you're if you're not challenged, you don't love what you do. Other people know it. They know it. The people who you work with know it. If you're coasting, they know it. If you're not happy, they know it. You owe it to yourself to to try and find something. Try at least try. Listen, thanks for the call. Good luck. Thank you. Okay, bye. I think that's enough, Sean. We've we've been doing this for an hour and a half now. Yes. So people if people <laughs> want to I, I have the show notes set up. They can go to five by five TV slash quit slash fifty one. I put all your stuff in there, Sean. Sean, all your stuff thanks, is in there. If there's anything missing, just tell me and I'll I'll drop it in there. It's all there. All right. It's all there. Anything and everything that Sean is, mm-hmm. is online is in, is on, in their show notes. Sean online is there. Sean online dot org. <laughs> I don't name? own that yet. No, that's oh, okay. not you. You know, I bet you're registering it now. See, I'm an idea guy. You're going to have to run with that. <laughs> you are a, a, th- a thought disruptor. Thought leader. I will, I will, I will uh, further that idea. Instead of Sean online, just Sean line. <laughs> but spelled with a Y. With a Y. L-Y-N-E. Oh, on the line. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> no. A, no. All right. No. It's just an idea. <laughs> All right. So people can follow you on Twitter, <laughs> Sean Blanc, and it's it's S-H-A-W-N-B-L-A-N-C, Sean Blanc. None Sean, of that, Sean Blanc.com. None of that E-A-N. No, it's 
I don't get that. Scene. That's pronounced scene. Sean, this guy's right in your face. And I'm Dan Benjamin on Twitter. And again, 5 by 5 that tv slash quit slash 51. Thank you very much for uh, for waiting for me to get this uh, show on the road here. Appreciate that. The beginning of the show had some hiccups. All fixed. The listeners will never know, Sean. They'll never know. It'll all be edited out. It's true. It's because you weren't even recording yet. No, I was recording. Yeah. All right, man. Thanks for thanks for coming around and hanging out. I appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure. Good All times. Right. Take care. Thanks, Sean.